0: Now, in part two of our sermon series, which we began last Sunday, "Grace When I Fall," may I invite everybody to please rise from their seats as we honor the Word of God and read Psalm 51. For the choir director, a Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone in to Bathsheba, "Be gracious to me, O God." According to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are justified when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice. Otherwise, I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. By your favor, do good to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, in burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then young bulls will be offered on your altar." Let us come before the Lord in the word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, once again, we honor you because of your goodness, faithfulness, and your covenant-keeping promises. We thank you, O Lord, that we have seen your goodness in our lives. We have tasted of your manifest presence. And for that, Lord, we rejoice Because we know that you are true, you are alive, and you are the one and only true God. So we come before you once again today with humble hearts, wanting to learn from you, wanting to receive from you. For we are all beggars and mendicants in your presence. There is no one who is not needy. We are all needy, O God. And we ask, Lord, that you might be gracious and generous to fill our hands with your goodness, with your love, with your sovereignty, with your provisions. We ask, O God, that the Holy Spirit will penetrate our hearts and minds, even as I ask the blessed assistance of the Holy Spirit as I preach the word of God. Let your name be glorified, O Lord. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen and amen. You know, the Bible is a very honest book. We find that the Bible does not whitewash any of the stories, any of the narratives that we find, both in the Old as well as in the New Testament. The Bible indeed shows to us a lot of Bible characters Worthy of emulation. We see many people who have consecrated and devoted their lives in great faithfulness. Yet even these men were far from perfect. For example, we find the example of uh, Moses. The Bible declares to us that Moses was the meekest man on earth. And yet, did you know that Moses was not able to enter the promised land? Why? Because he did not honor God in the presence of the grumbling and complaining Israelites. And then we have the story of David. David, in the Bible, is called a man after God's own heart. And yet, in the narratives of his life, we find that The Bible does not whitewash the historical events in the life of David. We are shown in the title, in the first place, what had happened to him. So allow me to review what we find in the title. It says, A Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone in to Bathsheba. Yes, my dear brothers and sisters, This man, who was called a man after God's own heart, committed adultery with Bathsheba. And Bathsheba was not just an ordinary Jewish woman. She was married to one of the most devoted and faithful soldiers of David. His name is Uriah. After committing adultery with Bathsheba, Bathsheba became pregnant. And because David wanted to conceal his sin, he tried to manipulate the situation so that Uriah could go home, lay with his wife, and then when the baby comes out, Uriah would not suspect at all that it was another man's baby. That was the plan of David. But you see, Uriah was a faithful soldier. He did not want to enjoy a privilege that the other soldiers of Israel did not have. And because of this, a devious plan was hatched by David. And that devious plan resulted in the death of Uriah. This was something that David could not conceal in the very presence of God. The eyes of God were on David 24-7. The day came when God sent his prophet Nathan to rebuke this man, David. And thankfully, David did not have any arguments whatsoever. He confessed to his sin. And true enough, we find in Psalm 51, the greatest penitential psalm that was ever written. And it was written by David, a man after God's own heart, but somebody who was imperfect. Somebody whose spiritual legacy was tainted by adultery and murder. And yet, God, in His great graciousness, forgave this man, David. Allow me to review the outline once again. In verses 1 to 2, we find David's appeal for God's forgiveness. In verses 3 to 6, David's treachery against God. Breaking it down, it says in verse 3, we find David's guilt. In verse 4, David's confession and agreement with God. And then in verses 5 to 6, the root of David's sins and God's desired fruit. Now, we were able to finish uh, the first two major points, which I just read to you. And so today we will now be diving in to the next two major points and we will wrap up this sermon today. So... In the third major point, we find David's confidence in God's grace and second appeal for forgiveness and full restoration in verses 7 to 15. In verse 7, we find confidence in grace, and in verses 8 to 15, appeal for full restoration. Last of all, we find the final point, God's delight, in verses 16. 19. And so now let's dive in to verses 7 to 15 as we talk about David's confidence in God's grace and second appeal for forgiveness and full restoration. First of all, in verse 7, we find David's confidence in grace. Verse 7 reads, Purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow." Now what was hyssop? Hyssop was a leafy plant used by Israel in the Old Testament for three occasions, which I would like to share to you. First, hyssop was used in the sprinkling of the blood of the Passover lamb. Also, hyssop was used in the cleansing of a leper which we find in leviticus chapter 14 verses 1 to 7 and finally hyssop was used in the sprinkling of the water of separation as a purification for sin so this is the context by which david said purify me with hyssop and basically what he was asking is for god to forgive and cleanse him Thoroughly to forgive and cleanse him of all his sins, sins that he could not himself blot out. And we're talking about the sin of adultery, the sin of murder, as well as all the other sins that David had committed. Now, he also says in verse 7 Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. I recall the testimony of one of the members of our church in Living Word, United Kingdom. He told me the first time that he was able to experience winter in the United Kingdom as a health worker. And this is what he said. It was the first time for me to experience snow. Snow was falling everywhere, upon the streets, upon the houses, upon the trees. He said, everything that I saw was completely white. And he said, he just realized how white snow can actually be. He even said that during the nighttime, when he would look at the snow, it seemed like the snow was was sparkling or radiating with brightness. So that even in a very dark night, The snow actually brought brightness into the environment. And basically, this is what David was talking about. He believed that if God cleansed him of all his sins, his soul, his soul tainted with sin, would become whiter than snow. And so what was David really asking for here? He was asking... For a thorough, complete, absolute cleansing of all his sins. And God, being a gracious God, being a generous, loving God, is more than willing to do that on the basis, of course, of the atonement that we find in the Old Testament and in the New Testament on the basis of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That is why the Bible is very beautiful when it says His mercies are new every morning. We can actually start early in the morning with a clean slate. Just as if you and I have not sinned. Just as if when we look at the plate of our lives, we find no wrong, no sin. Why? Because we have been justified by God. In the Old Testament, through the animal sacrifices. In the New Testament, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Of course, I already explained to you that the Old Testament sacrifices were but temporary provisions. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ, however, is a permanent provision for all of our sins. And this is something that we can trust God for and we can rely on God for our own cleansing. Now in verses 8 to 15, we find David's appeal for full restoration. The first thing he requested God, or he prayed to God that would be restored to him, would be joy. And we find it in verse 8. It reads, Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Now one of the things that David had lost in his sin of adultery and in his sin of murder was the joy that he had in the Lord. You see, when you and I sin against God, it is like a dead weight weighing heavily upon our shoulders and upon our hearts. And we feel miserable because of our sins. The Bible, in fact, says in the book of Isaiah that there is no peace for the wicked. Is it possible that in this pandemic crisis, as some of us may have drifted away from God, is it possible that this is one of the things that we have lost? We have lost the joy of our salvation. Now, David continues on and he says, let the bones which you have broken Rejoice! Now, of course, this is a metaphor. It is not that David really had broken bones, but it is a metaphor of the pain that he was feeling deep down inside. Did you know that even a fracture, a hairline fracture, could cause so much intense pain? Even a hairline fracture could actually cause, for example, if your hand had a hairline fracture, it would swell. And it would be very, very painful. Even just a hairline fracture. And what David was describing here was the pain of having lost the joy of the Lord. One of the things that David had was was this joy, the manifest presence of God. He understood that in the presence of God is fullness of joy. He understood that at God's right hand are pleasures forevermore. But now it was all gone. In the fleeting moment of having laid down together with Bathsheba, he already lost his joy. More so when he had the husband of Bathsheba murdered his life became so miserable and so painful. And so here was David crying out not only for God's forgiveness, he was asking God to restore back the joy that he used to have. And maybe that's something that you have also lost right now. But I tell you, if you ask for forgiveness from God, if you ask God to cleanse and wash you from all your sins, He can immediately restore you and restore back the joy that you used to have with Him, the intimacy that you used to have with Him, the communion that you used to have with Him. That broken fellowship that you have with God could be healed, it could be mended, it could be restored once again. Another thing that David asked God for restoration was his own cleansing. Once again, in verse 9, he says, Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Now, here we find a renewed appeal on the part of David for God's absolute forgiveness. See, sometimes even when we have confessed our sins, And even though we understand that God has forgiven us, sometimes we cannot help but feel the guilt still within us. And oftentimes we find ourselves renewing our appeal to God for our own forgiveness. And I believe this was what was happening in the case of David. Probably he could not believe what he did, that he committed adultery. That he betrayed his wives, he betrayed his own children, he betrayed his family, he betrayed his entire nation, and above all, he betrayed God. He could not believe that he did this evil thing, adultery, and even murder. And perhaps in the mind, in the heart of David, he was really crying out, How could I do such a thing? Why did I do such a thing? This was the very cry and the very heart of David. He could not believe that he, who was a man after God's own heart, could commit heinous crimes and heinous sins such as he had committed. That is why his cry was for God to cleanse and wash him. Now, the concept of forgiveness brought forth in this, in this verse is called atonement, which basically means covering. Now, I'd like to show to you a picture which I took at the Temple Institute. This is a model, a miniature, miniature model of the Ark of the Covenant. And you can see it right now in the PowerPoint presentation. And you see cherubim, two angels above, looking down. And as they're looking down, the lid on top of that is called the mercy seat. Now the Ark of the Covenant contains uh, certain things, one of which I would like to describe to you, one of which would be the tablets of the 10 Commandments. Now you and I know what happened When Moses came down, bringing those two tablets or the tablet of stone containing the Ten Commandments of God. We know that when Moses came down, he saw the people in idol worship. And not only that, they were having a sexual orgy among themselves. They were were having a drunken sexual orgy. And because of that righteous indignation filled the heart, of Moses and he threw down that tablet and it broke into pieces. And you see, this is the story, not only of Israel, this is the story of our lives. We have failed to submit and completely obey whatever commandments God has given to us. And knowing that, God is a God of holiness and a God of justice. God cannot simply condescend to us and say, well, never mind, you sinned against me, but that's fine, I will just forget it. That is not who our God is. God is a God of holiness, God is a God of justice, and therefore, every transgression, every iniquity, every sin, Every offense that we commit needs to be punished. And according to the Bible, the punishment for the wages of sin is death. And so that is what all of us deserve. Not only David, but all of us without exception deserve death. But here is we see the merciful, gracious provision of God. As you have a look once again, At the Ark of the Covenant, as I mentioned to you, you find the cherubim looking down on the mercy seat. The mercy seat is the lid or the cover. It covers the tablet of a stone containing the Ten Commandments. And what the high priest would do is he would enter the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant is, and he would bring together with him blood, the blood of animals, bulls, goats, and lambs, and what he would do is he would sprinkle the mercy seat the covering lid he would sprinkle it with blood and the amazing thing as the angels are looking down on the mercy seat they do not see the broken commandments but what they see is the blood that covers those broken commandments and jesus christ today is our mercy seat he is the one who covers our sins and this is what david was asking god lord cover my sin of adultery cover my sin of murder this was the cry of the heart of david so right now in the new testament our sins are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now note the terms we saw in verses 1 to 2. What did we see in verses 1 to 2? You remember? I talked to you about three words that were used in verses 1 and 2. What were those words, if you recall? Those words would be blood, wash, and cleanse. Blood, wash, and cleanse. And guess what? You find them in the single verse. But this time in reverse order it says number one cleanse then wash then blood three words the same three words this time in reverse order and again when that is repeated you can see here the depth of the penitence the depth of the repentance of david the grieving and the mourning that he had for all the sins that he had committed. And the Beatitudes tell us, blessed are they who mourn. And mourning there speaks about our acknowledgement of our spiritual bankruptcy. Our acknowledgement that we have nothing to offer God because of our sins. And yet, we thank the Lord that He is our mercy seat. And then one of the things that David wanted was inner sanctification. In verse 10, it reads, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now try to understand what David was asking here. David was not only asking for a position of forgiveness. But he was asking God for an inner posture of humility, consecration, and devotion to God. An inner posture of consecration, devotion, and humility before God. Now why do you think he was asking that? He was asking that because he understood that if he was not cleansed on the inside, if his heart did not change he would commit the same sins all over again and who knows he might even commit worse sins that he had already done in his life and that is why he was crying out to God for a strong pure inner life that he may not fall back into the same sins that he had committed and brethren this is what we need to do as well it is not enough that we simply ask God to forgive us. We need to ask God, Lord, cleanse my heart, O God. Give me an inner posture of humility and consecration and devotion before you. And only then and only then will we have the strength and the fortitude to go on and persevere in this life with the strength of the Lord, able to glorify and honor his name. Another thing that he asked to be restored for him was renewed fellowship. In verse 11, he says, Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Now David asked God not to withdraw the presence of the Holy Spirit from him. And this is something that had happened in the case of Samson as well as the king that preceded David, King Saul. They both lost the Holy Spirit. They both lost the empowering and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, their lives were never the same again. Let's have a look at some verses of Scripture. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14, it says, Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. In Judges 16, verse 20, we find the case of Samson. She said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. So both had the same story. Saul lost the anointing and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Samson likewise, because of his lustfulness and uh, defiant attitude, his rebellious attitude, he lost the presence of the Holy Spirit as well. And both of them experienced A downward spiral of misery upon misery until finally it ended with both of them committing suicide. With both of them taking their own lives. Life without God's presence is miserable. But let me just share to you something that is quite different in the New Testament. In the Old Testament... They could lose the presence of the Holy Spirit. But in the New Testament, once we receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, He will abide with us forever. Where do we find that? In John 14, verse 16 and 17, it says, I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper. Now watch what it says next that he may be with you forever. Again, underline the word forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So the difference in the Old Testament is that they could lose the Holy Spirit, In the New Testament, if you happen to be a believer, you do not lose the Holy Spirit. But what is it that you lose? You lose your intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You lose your communion with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there, but He is grieving and mourning because of your sins. And I pray to God that, just understanding this thought would cause us to be convicted in our hearts and repent of our sins. That is why in the next verse, verse 12, David cries out, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. David once again asked God to restore to him the joy And what joy is this? The joy of His salvation. Now one theological note that I would like to share to you, dear brothers and sisters, is that we can lose our joy, but we will never ever lose our salvation if it is a genuine salvation. Once a son, always a son. Once a child of God, always a child of God. And you see what happens is we do not lose our relationship with God. What we lose is our fellowship. It's just like when you are disobedient to your father. When you dishonor and disobey your father, he's still your father and you are still his son. You have not lost that relationship but your father is not pleased with you because you have dishonored and disobeyed him. The same thing is true in our case. We lose the fellowship, but not the relationship. Now, the spirit that David was talking about here when he says, sustain me with a willing spirit may actually be the Holy Spirit who causes us to be willing to follow God's will. In Philippians chapter 2, Verse 13, it says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And then we find here one of the things that God, or rather David requested of God, and that is service, as found in verses 13 to 15. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, And sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, that my mouth may declare your praise. Now here we find out of the gratitude for the forgiveness of his sins, David would make himself a herald of good news. Now you will notice here the depth of David's understanding in regard to his sin when he uses the word blood guiltiness. I'd like to quote to you from F.W. Grant and this is what he says. At every point at which we touch his creatures, we touch God himself. Every blow struck at them is struck At him. The guilt of every sin is fundamentally the same. Revolt against God. This is, in a true sense, the only sin. So here we find David's depth of understanding in in realizing what he had done against God. He had this realization of the greatness of his sin and because of this understanding in gratefulness for his forgiveness in 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 gratefulness for his own restoration he desired to be a herald a bearer of good news let me ask you this question has god forgiven you of your sins if your answer is yes You do not have to be a great sinner like David, like uh, Moses, and like all the other saints who have committed sins against God. You and I know that we have offended the holiness of God, and the holiness of God is eternal. So in other words, we have committed an eternal offense against God. And only an eternal salvation can save us from the wrath of God. And this is what Jesus offers and has given to us as believers in Christ. And therefore, in gratefulness for the forgiveness of our sins, we should be acting out as heralds of God. Have you taught transgressors and sinners that they may be converted as you were converted. Have you been singing joyfully of God's righteousness imputed on you? This is what David was saying when he said, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness joyfully sing of your righteousness this is what you and i should be doing and then david says oh lord open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise do you know what we have been called into as we find it in the book of acts as believers in christ The Bible says we have been called by God as witnesses and we have been given the indwelling and empowering of the Holy Spirit that we may go out as bold witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, bold witnesses of the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ. We have been given that task by God to witness to others about the forgiveness that we have received. Now, are we up to the task? Have we been doing our part? Are we true disciples of Jesus Christ? Teaching all that Christ has commanded. Teaching the gospel to people who do not know the Lord. This is something that you and I must be doing. We should not be ashamed of the gospel But the Bible says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God and to salvation, both to the Jew and to the Greek. And therefore, we proclaim the gospel, the good news of God's forgiveness, the good news of God's grace, the good news of God's restoration. This is what we need to be sharing, most especially during this dark period of time in our own history. David was so eager and so enthusiastic to be a mouthpiece of God, to be a singer for God, to be able to declare the praises of God, to be able to declare the goodness, the graciousness, the compassion, and the love of God. This is what David wanted to do. By the way, David knew as well that what he had Was not his own righteousness. And I think this is very important. If we are going to be really grateful to God. Notice what David says here in verse 14. In the latter part of it, it says, Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. David did not say, Then my tongue will joyfully sing of my righteousness. That's not what David said. David said, then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. And we have to remember that if we are to be a grateful and thankful people, if we are not to be ingrates, we have to remember that our salvation is the work of God. We have to remember that whatever righteousness we have been imputed with, it is the righteousness of Christ. And that is why we are accepted in the beloved. We are accepted by God the Father. Why? Because of the perfect life of Jesus Christ, because of the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and because of the perfect life and that perfect sacrifice. Now we have received a perfect righteousness and a perfect salvation, complete in everything. We do not need to work for it, for it is given to us as a free gift by God. And all we simply need to do is receive that. Receive the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that our sins might be washed white as snow friends let me ask you this question have you opened your mouth to declare the goodness of jesus christ have you opened your mouth to declare the forgiveness that you have received from the lord it's about time that we do this and you know what god has given us yes the environment that we have right now because of this pandemic crisis is dark it is gloomy it is seemingly hopeless but let me tell you one truth people are searching even for a glimmer of hope and who is it that can provide that that small, tiny glimmer of hope, only you, believer in Christ, only you, son of God, only you, child of God, only you, daughter of God, can provide that hope. And it is a hope that is certain. It is a hope that is genuine. It is a hope that will open the spiritual vista and the spiritual horizon of every person's life and it will radically change the way people will now look at their lives as they now see an invisible and glorious God in the midst of this dark, gloomy environment that you and I are in. Let us be like David, who was imperfect, yes, but who was a herald of good news. David closes this psalm in verses 16 to 19 as he talks about, God's delight. He says in verse 16, For you do not delight in sacrifice. Otherwise, I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God. You will not despise. Now, what was David talking about when he said, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or you are not pleased with burnt offering. Isn't it true that under Levitical and Mosaic law, these were provisions that God himself had ordained and commanded for all the people of Israel, that atonement might be provided for all their sins. So what exactly does David mean when he says, you do not delight in sacrifice, you are not pleased with burnt offering well David understood that even if he had offered burnt offerings even if he offered sacrifices if they were bereft of repentance it would be a worthless exercise that's why he understood that he needed more than giving those sacrifices actually if you take a look at the old testament there were no provisions that were given for the sins of adultery and murder there were no atoning provisions for the sins of adultery and also murder and so david understood if he was going to be forgiven by god it was because god would see in him a brokenness, and a contriteness of spirit. And after all, this is what God is asking from all of us. A heart broken by one's treachery against God that is acceptable to the Lord. That is why one of the questions I would like to ask each one of us Is, are we truly and genuinely repentant of our sins? You see, God can forgive any and every sin. Even the sin of adultery and even the sin of murder could actually be forgiven by God. But the big question is, do you have brokenness? Do you have contriteness? Do you have genuine repentance? And I pray to God that we have all those elements because our God is a gracious and forgiving God. One of the things that I'm truly blessed with when it comes to our church is that many of our pastors had a very dark past. Some of them were thieves. Some of them belonged to the New People's Army some of them were well-known gangsters some of them were ex-convicts and yet right now they are heralding the good news of jesus christ why because they have been forgiven by god because of their genuine repentance and god could do the same for you now david closes his passage with two more verses In verse 18 he says by your favor do good to Zion build the walls of Jerusalem so what happens right now is from personal prayer David now prays for his own kingdom David understood that his nation will only rise as high as his spiritual life and so That is why he started with himself. Now when he said walls of Jerusalem, figuratively speaking, he may be talking about the moral defenses of that nation. The moral defenses of that nation. Only God's grace can truly bring good or spiritual strengthening to the nation of Israel. Apart from God's grace, Israel could do nothing. And this is true in our case as well. As a church, we can accomplish nothing. As a church, we cannot be a shining light in the midst of this darkness. As a church, we cannot be great heralds of the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ unless we have the power of God abiding in us, strengthening us in character as well as in conduct. Fortifying our testimony before a watching world. That is why prayers are needed. We need the strength of God. We need the grace of God. We need the empowering of God in our lives. And that was the prayer of David for the nation of Israel. And then he says in verse 19, Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, in burnt offering, and whole burnt offering, then young bulls will be offered on your altar. Now David understood that with the right heart, with genuine repentance, with honesty and transparency before God, with a deep consecration and a deep love for God, now the burnt offerings and the sacrifices will carry Meaning before the very presence of God. They will be meaningful in the presence of God. And that is why David was praying for his nation. That they might walk uprightly. Not merely go through the rituals of offerings and sacrifices. But to have a heart consecrated towards God. Because when that happens, then all their offerings, all their sacrifices will be well pleasing to God. And that is what we want to happen. We want our sacrifices. We want our offerings to God to be well-pleasing. And that will only happen if we, like David, have a broken and a contrite heart. When God's grace is experienced by Israel, they will respond as David had responded. Let me close with a very encouraging passage in the New Testament from the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. It says, Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. This verse is loaded with so much hope. If we repent, if we return, our sins will be wiped away. Times of refreshing will come because of the presence of the Lord. And my prayer to God is that this will be the story, the narrative of our lives. And we will experience what David had experienced. The restoration of his joy. The restoration of gladness in his heart. And yes, even in the midst of this coronavirus, we can have joy in our hearts. We can have gladness in our hearts. And we can still have a song in the night. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and bless you, Lord, for this penitential psalm. Because it gives us hope, no matter how dark our past or our present might be, no matter how heinous and unforgivable, humanly speaking, our sins are, we know, Father, that there is hope in the cleansing of your blood. We thank you, Lord, that through your blood, our sins could be wiped away and our sins would no longer be remembered. We thank you for the atoning grace of Jesus Christ, which we pray those who are listening might receive if they have not yet received it yet. That they too, like David and myself, would enter into the joy of the Lord, accepted In the presence of the father not because of our performance not because of our good works but because of the finished work of jesus christ in calvary lord whatever has been achieved today we give you back the glory the praises and the thanks in jesus blessed name we pray amen and amen I pray that this sermon has been a blessing to you. And I pray that you might share it to others. You can share it yourself. Whatever principles you've learned uh, in our study today, go share it with your neighbors, your your friends. And of course, while we're in quarantine, you can do that by giving them a phone call or maybe messaging them or having a Zoom uh, conference or something. Whatever it is, whatever it is you'd like to do, just share the Word of God. And don't forget to like and share this video. Uh, uh, Put it on your Facebook wall. Share it on Viber and Messenger. Spread the Word around.